Welcome to Season 1, Episode 11 of the Echo Corpus Christi Podcast, the podcast featuring Corpus Christi's creators, makers, doers, and builders. Marianne Cavazos Beckett is our guest on this episode. Marianne graduated from King High School here in Corpus, attended Del Mar, and is now the editor of the Corpus Christi Caller Times newspaper. She rose to the top position at the newspaper through grit, hard work, and talent after starting out in the mailroom at 19 years old. Because my mother instilled in me that it's not appropriate to discuss a lady's specific age, I won't tell you Mary Ann's age now. However, you should know that she's one of the younger editors of a major newspaper in the country. Mary Ann is also a wife and a mother to two young kiddos. She takes the reins of the 130-something-year-old newspaper at a critical time for newspapers, and on this episode, she discusses some of the ways the newspaper is actively pursuing new media for storytelling, and about how the Caller Times' talented reporters helped USA Today win a Pulitzer Prize. You'll also learn about the Caller Times' foray into drone journalism and about the benefits of being a digital subscriber. With Marianne at the helm and with its gifted staff, the Caller Times is well-positioned to grow beyond the printed page into the fully immersive, multimedia community news source that will continue to serve Corpus Christi, the Coastal Bend, and the world for decades to come. Let's visit with Marianne. Well, Marianne, welcome to the Etcher Corpus Christi podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Well, of course. We're very excited to get to talk to you today. Um, as we start off with all of our guests, our first question is what's your Corpus story? Are you a Corpus native or did you come here a little later in life? So I was actually born in Austin, um, but my family is from Corpus Christi and uh, and I've been raised here all my life. Um, we came here back to Corpus when I was a baby, so I don't remember any Austin time. <laughs> uh, but I went to school here, I graduated from King High School and then also Delmar College. And for a while I went to um, so I did public and private school, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And that was because my parents worked really hard. My mom mm -hmm. worked a couple of jobs, and my grandparents, who are deceased now, helped out. But um, it was really important for them to get me uh, an education that they thought would help me succeed in life. And I was, uh, I would unabashedly say a really a book nerd and <laughs> <laughs> and you know in middle school and I did play sports uh, but I, I was definitely always in the library and whenever there would be those summer reading contests and you know kids would be like I want to go play outside and I'd be like I want to I want to go back to the library and and get some more books because I already read these and I want to win that prize and mm -hmm. I can't remember what it was just it might have been another book but that was exciting <laughs> enough <laughs> for me. Sure, sure. So, what do you think it was that first attracted you to words? I think uh, that there are so many different combinations and, and I think more than being attracted to words it was a sense of curiosity in mm -hmm. the world and I'm not naturally an extrovert I would say, which may surprise some <laughs> folks, but I'm 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 an introvert mm -hmm. at heart, and who is who is sometimes uh, a, making an appearance as an extrovert in scenarios. But mm -hmm. uh, when you're naturally curious, but sometimes a bit shy, and you have books to be able to seek out answers that you need, mm -hmm. that is a, a sense of comfort, and and you can educate yourself that way, and. Uh, through, through journalism, that's also a way to get into a room 
and not feel awkward about saying, well, I'm here to do a job. Mm -hmm. So I really want to know, like, Mr. Astronaut, like, tell me about your first sure. flight into space. And, uh, and, and so those were uh, great opportunities for me through journalism to get answers to questions that I wanted to know and then realize I wasn't the only one that wanted to know right. those things. Uh, and yeah, so just just a, a love for reading and, and wanting to know that ever eternal question of why. Sure, sure. <laughs> so to that question, was there a particular book series that you enjoyed as a kid or was it a, a particular genre that always drew you back or? Oh gosh. Uh, I would say there wasn't a particular genre. I mean, fiction, nonfiction, biographies, mm -hmm. um, classics like you know the Bronte sisters mm -hmm. and those you know those romantic um, kind of things. E everything from that to science books and again you know even the weather. And I remember being in middle school and uh, us having like this little. TV show where we had to do like almost like morning announcements mm -hmm. and and one time I had to do the weather report and somebody was like okay well you're gonna have to say cumulonimbus clouds <laughs> I still can't say it right. really difficult um, and I remember going home that night and telling my mom I was like you know I need to do a good job with this and I also need to know like why these clouds mm -hmm. like <laughs> do what they do in case somebody asks me sure. I want to be able to help them understand it so again I I went back mm -hmm. you know to books and. Um, but but that was a that was again a little bit of like I wanted to make sure that I was helping people understand those things and also that's a really difficult word to say so sure absolutely why was it named that <laughs> right right <laughs> so have you ever actually tried writing your own book no I would say uh, I would say that people that can do that I, I I think that that's a that's a true gift for people that can write for that long of a period and tell a tale whether that's fiction or Nonfiction, but you know, for me, I I love what we get to do because it is real life, mm -hmm. and often real life is much stranger than fiction, as they say, and you get a little bit of flavor uh, of everything. So, you know, if someone is like, you know, what's your what's your favorite genre? That mm -hmm. is like picking, you know, a color in the rainbow to me. Like I cannot. <laughs> that's right. too difficult for me to. Which is your it. favorite child? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Both. <laughs> right, exactly. That's that probably serves you well in your job here at the Caller Times. And I'd love to hear about how your interest in journalism grew from your natural inquisitiveness in elementary and, and middle school and then when did you kind of get the first idea I really think journalism is an avenue that I need to pursue? So I wasn't in high school yearbook or anything like that, but you know, I did uh, write down my thoughts and journal and do that kind of thing and again I was an only child so there was a lot of that um, you know feeling a sense of like I, I have my books no matter what mm -hmm. and um, again like I'm still in you know in sports and have friends and that kind of thing but really again the inquisitive nature goes to uh, wanting to know why things are the way they are in the world and how things came to be and so when I was in college in Del Mar, that was the opportunity where I'm signing up for classes and the advisor who's signing me up asked the question uh, and says, you know, well, what do you want to do with your life? 
That's a very loaded question. <laughs> for uh, sure, for an 18-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I just said, you know, why? I mean, I like to ride. And, well, do you have any experience? Well, I mean, no. I mean, were you on the high school year? But, well, no. I mean, mm -hmm. um, okay, well, you know, why don't you think about coming to our journalism lab and maybe you can, you know, try to write for the Foghorn, mm -hmm. uh, which was the, the, the student publication there. And I said, I don't know, you know, me being shy and right, me being right, like, right. oh my gosh, yeah. I'm going to go into this and these um, folks are going to have known each other so long and um, what can I contribute to it? And he's like, well, just give it a try, you know, maybe you like sure. it. Uh, and then I remember from just walking in there, it was almost in those movie scenes where the, like the puzzle pieces fit mm -hmm. and um, I don't want to say that I heard the voice of God being like oh but right, it was right. a, it was a little bit of like the light bulb went sure, off and I, and I was like this is this is my place this mm -hmm. is you know my home and and I can I can improve um, the world around me I can help others I can inform entertain and and do something that I really love so I'd say that's probably where it started so how from from the foghorn how did you get to the color times so while I was at the Foghorn and in the press club there, and um, I think I had just been elected the president of the press club mm -hmm. uh, that semester, literally, uh, and I have to thank the vice president at the time, uh, who I'm still friends with to this day, who's <laughs> also a fellow Corpus Christian, um, that he took over the reins. But there was an, an opportunity here to apply for a news clerk job which for folks that don't know what that is, mm -hmm. that is like an entry-level position. You answer phones, you type up obituaries, um, you do everything pretty much that you need to. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was very alluring to me because there was the promise that I could do some reporting and I mm -hmm. could get some bylines and I could get to do what I love, which is just talk to people and learn about them. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm in, like I wanna <laughs> apply, like, you know, I put together my resume, which was an actual binder, wow. um, which I think that my old boss still um, uh, <laughs> jokes with me about <laughs> because I came to my mm -hmm. interview with a binder and I was just like, please, you know, hire right. me. Like, I, this is m the place for me. What can I do? Mm -hmm. uh, and she, she looked at it and did not laugh. And she <laughs> asked me questions and she gave me a job. Awesome. And, and from there, I, I got to do all those things, answer the phones and type obituaries and design the stocks pages. Mm -hmm. And I also got to do interviews. And then the more uh, stories that I got to do, the more times, um, you know, my bosses and others around me were like, you know, hey, you know, what else do you want to do? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? So it kind of grew from there. And I was a I was from a news assistant to a reporter. I was the night cops reporter. Oh wow! For about a year or two, mm -hmm. and um, for folks that don't know what that entails, that is the late night shift. You are becoming best friends with the police scanner mm -hmm. and listening to that uh, on blast, mm -hmm. and you're you know going to crime scenes and. Uh, on the side of the road talking to police officers and troopers after crashes and it is sometimes very difficult mm -hmm. and I would say not for everyone but also there is a sense that you are providing a really important service which is informing people about public safety issues mm -hmm. and then also you know helping victims of tragedies as well in many cases so from there, gosh, I've had, you know, several beats 
uh, I covered government mm -hmm. in several counties, city, county level. I covered the justice system for several years, and I would say that was probably one of my favorite uh, times as mm -hmm. a reporter just because, and you know this because you're a lawyer, the law, I would say, is just, it's it's so fascinating mm -hmm. and, and our, how our justice system works and also sometimes how it doesn't work right. and how that plays out. Uh, those are real, real life um, situations, so. So working on the obituaries, does that mean you were taking phone calls from families that had just experienced a loss? Did that teach you anything in, in particular that, that you feel like has served you well as, as you've risen through the ranks here at the Caller Times? Yeah, so with obituaries, um, we usually get those from the funeral homes, but I also would talk with family members. Mm -hmm. There are times uh, when we also do what we call news obituaries, which is where a reporter is assigned to um, report about the life uh, mm -hmm. and legacy of a person that may be, say, a former mayor or maybe a community advocate who, you know, spent the better part of their life making Corpus Christi a better place. And so in those cases, I would have to contact, uh, you know, family members and people that could speak about the person uh, the best mm -hmm. and figure out a way in a certain amount of words to show people um, what their what their life ended up you know meaning for for the community so that's tough because you have you people that are you know fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and what that means to those family members is 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 very different than say maybe what the community knew mm -hmm. about them so sometimes those obituaries um, have surprises for people where they may never have known, you know, even the family members may never have known that somebody was this quiet philanthropist right. and volunteered their time and, you know, they didn't want to brag and they were humble about it, but um, those are, those are, I think, the good opportunities, mm -hmm. so. Do you remember your first byline? Oh my gosh, I don't think I do. I, it was probably something that was entertainment, Okay. Um, but, uh, I remember many more uh, scenarios from my time covering courts because, mm -hmm. again, with the justice system, the stakes are high, people's freedoms are on the line, um, survivors are, and victims, if it's, if it's you know, um, a crime against a person, are seeking, you know, justice mm -hmm. and uh, emotions are just really high, so a lot of, a lot of the stories that I still, you know, think back on and wonder, like, wow, I hope that this person is doing okay. Mm -hmm. um, those, those are the ones that stuck with me the most, I'd say. As a matter of course, do you ever follow up with the subjects of the stories or the articles? We do, um, yeah, often we do. And, you know, again, like, depending on what, what the comfort level is of the, of the person, mm. and anniversaries are often good times to do that. The, the public in general, you know, sometimes has a short attention span when it comes to, well, to everything, frankly, right. we all do. <laughs> we all we do. We all do in this That's day and right. age. Um, and sometimes when we do stories, um, those, those people, it's a, it's a snapshot in mm -hmm. their life. Those people still have, to, still have to carry on and, 
you don't necessarily think when there's a tragedy or when there's something good that happens, like, okay, well, now they had to continue on, so what was right. that like uh, for them? So sometimes we do go back and, mm -hmm. and, and check in on, on people and see what they're up to. Do you find it difficult to paint a really robust picture of the subjects of an article with the word constraint that newspapers necessarily have? Uh, I would say that I think that maybe one of the things that our digital subscribers realize more than, say, um, subscribers that only look at our print product is, again, when you're thinking about all the colors in the rainbow, mm -hmm. um, looking at what we do online is, is, a, is a multimedia type of storytelling. And so it's not that you are getting only half of the story in print, but it is, it is that you are seeing so much more perspective and angles if you are taking advantage of uh, your subscription online and, and looking at the video components that we do um, and looking at just the different storytelling methods that we use now. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm super interested to talk about what you see as the future of the Color Times, but I'd love to know, we're sitting here today um, in August of 2019, you are a young editor of a major metropolitan newspaper. How did you get into that particular role? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, I've been here at the Color Times, gosh, I started in 04. Uh, when I was still going to Del Mar and and again I was a reporter for several years so it was no accident uh, I would say that I didn't get into this role alone mm -hmm. and that I had along the way several mentors both editors and just colleagues mm -hmm. that could do something better than I could or that had a skill that I didn't have or wasn't as good at and um, at some point or another I said, like, can, can you help me? Like, you know, sure. or somebody asked me, like, you know, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. and, and I would reply honestly and say, like, I, I want to I wanna, um, wanna do more to help my community. I want to keep doing this. Uh, I want to be a reporter. Okay, now I want to be an editor and I want to help others. Like, how can I get there? Mm -hmm. and, and that came with a lot of hustle. Sure. Uh, and, and it also just came with, uh, you know, learning. Like we're in a constant state at the collar times of evolving and and we have to do a better job of showing that evolution mm -hmm. every single day and, and often that's to folks that maybe only see a small piece of what we do and do not necessarily equate that to being valuable to their lives. Do you think serving as the editor and in the in the previous editorial positions serves your natural curiosity more than being a reporter does, or the same, or is it just a whole different way of looking at things? That's a good question. I would say um, when I was a reporter, I was responsible for myself okay. and my own performance mm -hmm. and, and, wanting to, and wanting to do the best job that I could because uh, that felt like a responsibility not a not a job where I could go and do anything else and make widgets okay. um, and and so I was governed and driven by that you know ethical and moral mm -hmm. and and sense of um, 
you know, bond to the community and wanting to make it better. And then as I was promoted and went up the ranks in different editing positions, then um, I was still governed by those things, but I was no longer driven by a, a byline with my name on it. When I went home, at the, or when I still go home at the end of the day, it's not, it's not me saying like, okay, well, I did X amount of stories mm -hmm. and I can show this to people. It's, I had conversations with people and it helped them um, do better work. Mm -hmm. It helped them um, realize, uh, you know, what they do is valuable. It, it showed them something, like we learn from each other. So it's, it's, a, different, it's a different sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that comes, that comes, ac comes across. Sure. So I know here at the Caller Times you have young reporters and you have some that have more seasoned experience working here. How do you balance the, the crew that grew up in a fully digital world, even though maybe we're not quite into the you know, 10 and 12 year olds who have literally not known anything other than the digital world, but the crew that, is, that has lived on social media since the time they got their first phone versus the crew that didn't have a phone that wasn't attached to a cord in a wall until about 10 years ago. How do you manage their different backgrounds as their editor? I think that the more diversity that we have, the better. And that is for a couple of reasons. Our community is diverse mm -hmm. and we must reflect uh, our community. If we are to tell the best possible stories that have the most impact to people's everyday lives, so we can keep going back to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to answer your question more directly, we're all doing the same thing toward the same mission, which okay. is to help improve our community and ourselves. And that's our mission statement. Uh, and, and so when you have that like cohesive mm -hmm. plan, we're all on the same page, then it becomes, okay, when we're in planning meetings, when we're talking about what to cover and what not to cover and how to cover it, uh, we have to look at each other's strengths and weaknesses and figure out how to work together. So if you have a skill that I don't have, which I'm, sh as, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, the case for, for all of us, then we have to help teach each other. So having an environment where, where it's okay for someone to say, I'm not really good at this and I want to be, mm -hmm. can, you, can you help me? That ends up creating a situation where we're building upon each other. I think that is a, it's a fascinating dynamic, um, being like you are, young and in charge because of, because of earned opportunities that you've had, but having the opportunity to work with and effectively manage folks that have been doing the job maybe longer than you've been alive, maybe longer than I've been alive, although I haven't seen that particular person here yet, but um, it's got to be an interesting dynamic for you to come into work every day and know that this 130-something-year-old business sits on your shoulders. There are other shoulders though that you get to lean on, right? And there are other shoulders that are leaning on your shoulders. Um, how do you balance all of that with the fact that you're also a wife and a mom and you have a, a life outside of, of business? That's a lot of shoulders. <laughs> it's a lot of shoulders, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, I, I don't think of it like, you know, I have the, the weight of the world on my shoulders because I don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. I do feel like uh, we are a newsroom and um, a, an organization and, a, and a, a network that can rely upon each other, again, because we have a shared mission. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot. 
um, you know, if you're if you are asking me how do I balance that professional role with personal, mm -hmm. I think it depends on the day. Okay. And again, that goes back to I, I don't think that I could do what I do with the folks that I do with without you know having a good plan in place and then being okay with saying okay that plan isn't working right now we mm -hmm. need to adjust and and I'm really 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 blessed to have a supportive husband and um, two children that are are young enough that they're now in school and they're going to the same school but um, that are at an age where they can see what I do and they have like a you know a general sense of mm -hmm. it like I think I brought the two of them here um, the other day to the newsroom and I think my daughter said something like and she's five and she said something like you know mommy like so you're the boss of everybody <laughs> here and I said well sweetie um, uh -huh. <laughs> um, you know like I, I, I kind of am but mm -hmm. also like you know we all work together and help each other and and she was like and you get to tell stories every day and you get to make videos <laughs> so and i was astute. like yeah i yeah. do and she was like i i want to i want to do that mommy and i was like okay mm. well we'll see but um mm. <laughs> in the meantime <laughs> right we're gonna uh, get off to kindergarten <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah so that kind of boils it down and in, in very simplistic terms mm -hmm. when people are like well you know what do you do and i mean that's that's what we do we want to we want to help make the community a better place and and we try to do that every day. So with this community mission that the Caller Times has and has had for a long time, being how do you balance that with being part of a significant national news organization, which is a part of a significant national company, which may or, I think I might have read that it's even maybe merging with somebody else. How do you balance the local focus and local mission of the Caller Times with the USA Today Network and with its parent companies? Or is there any interaction at all? There is quite a bit of interaction in some ways, okay. um, but there also is definitely, you know, a hands-off approach when it comes to community journalism. The Caller Times has a long uh, history of, um, you know, reporting about issues that matter in this community and in South Texas, and and that has uh, endured through several company mm -hmm. changes and all of that kind of stuff. And I would say that with the USA Today Network and that that has only added to our resources in some ways. And while there's benefits and drawbacks to being in a small company, being in a very large mm -hmm. company, which we are now in, uh, I would say that some of our best journalism has, has been very much supported by um, top editors mm -hmm. with USA Today Network. And I would say too, I mean, just to think off the top of my head, we helped win the USA Today Network and the Arizona Republic. We helped them win a Pulitzer Prize. Mm -hmm. And that was with the explanatory series on the wall. Right. And and through that, you know, we were able to have a screening here at the Alamo Draft House, which was gracious enough to provide us the space and the night to screen it and just to have people from the community come in and see the work that we helped create, which was a documentary as well as um, a series which we ran over two weeks in mm -hmm. our print editions, which had, again, great multimedia with uh, like, a, like a live or interactive uh, map of where the border wall uh, is expected to be. Mm -hmm. 
and and we helped create that so you know that type of a thing could we have done that on our own no very unlikely um, that that took a, a significant amount of you know financial support mm -hmm. and not with the goal to make it like a big like oh my gosh this is going to get you know s so much page views or mm -hmm. financial but mostly just like hey this is an issue that people are talking about in our in our area in our state in our country how can we take a, a straight news what are the questions you have mm -hmm. here's what we found out like take that or leave that uh, approach to to the topic well, I'm really glad you brought up the Color Times Pulitzer Prize on the wall. I'd love to know how that came about in the first place, since we're not technically a border city, mm -hmm. right? And it and the wall affects, you know, Pacific to the Gulf, right? So it's a massive, long, uh, potentially long undertaking, both financially for the government, um, economically for the communities that are directly impacted. How did the Color Times come to be involved in that, and how particularly did did the networking with the USA Network itself, or USA Today Network and the Arizona Republic newspaper, how did that all come to, come to be? So that came from as many, uh, I would say, good journalism uh, coverage comes, it came from a, a big question, which is why? Okay. And, and how would this work? And, and, uh, and so the Arizona Republic editor at the time um, reached out to our editor at the time, Tim Archuleta, who is um, now heading the El Paso Times, which is a sister newsroom mm -hmm. to us. And she asked the question of, well, what if we, what if we just explain like some of these, like, what if we just try to see what answers we can find to them? And then the other part of that is like, let's just show what it's like for people that have never really been to the border, and I'm not talking about you know the checkpoints right. and that kind of thing. I'm talking about the different geographic landscapes of it, where you might not see a person for miles, mm -hmm. and border patrol is out there trying to cover a vast area, where there are you know migrant deaths, and actually within our coverage area as well, mm -hmm. and um, all the different facets um, from all of the different players in that. Um, including you know, law enforcement and legislators and um, real people affected and residents. Um, and, and so that was a, a huge topic. And then we had to, to drill down mm -hmm. to, what if we also just set eyes on the entire border? And then I think during that initial call, <laughs> when that was posed, <laughs> uh, in Arizona, there's was, there was a lot more uh, you know, government-owned land mm -hmm. on the border, and uh, anyone who's been to Arizona knows uh, it, it looks vastly different than That's parts right. of Texas That's with right. the amount of ran ranchers and farmers mm -hmm. and uh, and folks there. So, uh, Texas has the, I believe, the longest stretch of the the U.S.-Mexico border, and also the most complicated mm -hmm. because of the amount of private landowners right. along the border, and and so that became a task of could we do it is mm -hmm. it possible and could we just set eyes on the entire part you know from from one part to the next over multiple states mm -hmm. okay well how would we do it a right. drone well no we couldn't really do that for all the parts like how would we get to them well what if we just get in a helicopter mm -hmm. and do it and so that that became a key part of the project 
and so um, a couple of our staffers followed in a car um, for several days for you know a good portion of the Texas part of that helicopter trip and got you know videos and interviews from the ground mm -hmm. while the team in the air continued on its on its path and um, we also contributed quite a bit of other reporting related to eminent domain mm -hmm. where we talked to you know US citizens who have had the land the land along the border uh, in their family for generations right and and how they felt about that being seized and the legal process and and also just you know what the intricacies of it are so and again not to offer any type of one way or another mm -hmm. and just to say this is a complicated issue and and here's what we found out mm -hmm. here's what it looks like here's how these things may play out and take that for what it's worth when y'all were working on the wall project were you did you have an inkling hey this could be this could be a, an award-winning journalism adventure or was it more you know what we don't really think about that kind of stuff we just do the best job we can and if great if we get recognized in that way then that's kind of the icing on the on the cake yeah I think that <coughs> we don't go into things thinking oh my gosh we're gonna do this because we may win an award okay. awards and especially the Pulitzer is it's they're significant and it's it's that nice you know pat on the back mm -hmm. and and most people know what the Pulitzer is, and for that, it's great if you can use it to reinforce, again, why what we do is valuable mm -hmm. and meaningful. But we do a lot of things that I would say every day are valuable and, and meaningful, and reporting on what the tax rates are, right. and what you're gonna get for your money in a bond election for new schools. Mm -hmm. um, but those things don't always win awards. And when it comes down to the end of the day, what we really need is a good understanding um, both ways, you know, a two-way conversation with members of the public that we serve about, uh, you know, what it is that they want us to do uh, to, to help them, to help inform mm -hmm. them, entertain them. Like, what is it that matters? And so when we go back to talking about a balance, every day is that balance because there are a million and one stories mm -hmm. that we could be covering every day That's but right. that won't really serve our mission of like how do we how do we move the community forward mm -hmm. so we have to use you know things like news judgment and look at our resources and say where can we make the most difference where can we be the most impactful if this story doesn't get told what's going to happen that's a great question you all have to do you find that there's a tension in the office between the reporters whose beat has um, stories that are are not being told versus is there jealousy I guess among the staff so to speak where or rivalry where hey uh, Marianne we feel like we're not getting enough of our stories um, investigated and told and somebody over here is getting a lot told you know let's like, let's take the classic kind of Friday Night Lights adventure in West Texas right you got football teams that are getting told all the stories about and maybe there are other things happening in the community that belong to other writers beats that are not being told as frequently I don't see that happening here just as a reader of the Caller Times but mm -hmm. is there kind of an internal rivalry among the different groups here no I don't think I've ever seen that like you know through the years I, I do think that um, 
people are individually competitive mm -hmm. in the sense that if you put your heart and soul into reporting something and you want it to be the best that it can, you want people to see it, you want people to engage with it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I don't know if that's like a self, like competing with yourself sure, in some sure. ways, but uh, I, you know, we do share each other's work and mm -hmm. uh, folks that follow our reporters and uh, our visual team on, you know, Twitter and Instagram will see them tagging each other mm -hmm. and, and, and that's again, we're going toward the same mission, mm -hmm. which is which is to help make our community a better place and to improve ourselves as well. So uh, I know that people can't see this, but the questions in this conference room are on a whiteboard and, and that is not in permanent marker, but has been up there <laughs> a very long time. Uh -huh. And I wrote those questions um, during one of our planning meetings. Okay. And, and those are questions that we come back to often when we struggle with those questions of, well, how do we cover all of this? Like, mm -hmm. what, what's, gonna, what's gonna matter at the end of the day? Where can we have the biggest impact? Right. And so we go back to questions about, you know, why are we covering this? And really being truly honest about that. Uh, who is the audience? That, is a, that goes back to having a two-way conversation. Uh, with the community that we serve and mm -hmm. being very thoughtful about not necessarily uh, you know oh well we're a newspaper and people have certain I think uh, long-held beliefs about what that means really just saying we're storytellers mm -hmm. at the end of the day that's what we are I have a, a love for the print platform but at the end of the day, when my daughter asks me what I do, I, I say, I'm a storyteller and I, and I help the community and I help our newsroom. And, and so that's what we do. And we have to think about if people want to be informed through a video because they only have five minutes between mm -hmm. you know, dropping their kids off at school and making that commute and they're on their phone in the, you know, the, the drop-off line, okay, we're gonna make a video and we're gonna make that you know, really good. Mm -hmm. If people wanna see you know, what the old courthouse, uh, which is within, I would say, spitting distance of the right. color times, you know, really looks like now, and, uh, and you know, they don't just wanna read about the, stru the structural integrity of it mm -hmm. or whatever that is, they wanna see it. Then we're gonna get a drone and we're gonna fly it over the old courthouse mm -hmm. and show that from that vantage point. So um, if, folks want to or need to learn about something through interpretive dance, I will you know, take that up, <laughs> as I'm sure many in our newsroom will as well. Right. So it is about experimenting, mm -hmm. it is about that constant evolution, and again, going back to the core of what we do, uh, we're storytellers. Mm -hmm. So with the, with the future here at the Caller Times changing, you know, we, I'm sure the paper had a hundred and some years of living in print, and that was sufficient because there weren't other delivery methods and people weren't consuming news in other manners. What ways do you feel like you've had to make changes um, in the way that stories are edited and told between the print platform and the digital platform? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I could, I could talk forever about, you know, the state of the industry and mm -hmm. how people inform themselves or don't inform themselves <laughs> about what's going on in the world. But the fact of the matter is that, again, we're storytellers mm -hmm. and we are at a point um, in, in 
this time uh, in this day and age where people consume their news in bits and pieces mm -hmm. often. Often that's on social media um, and it's, it's mostly on their, their smartphones. Mm -hmm. And so we have adapted in many ways uh, to, serve, to serve that audience. So again, we go where the audience is. The days of the paper boy on the corner mm -hmm. saying, you know, here's re like shouting out the headlines and saying, read all about it. Those are long gone and have been, you know, long before I ever right. started here. So it's, it's not that that's so much of a shift. So um, again, it goes back to, can we be good or better mm -hmm. or the best at helping people understand what we do making sure that we are being responsive and relevant in the, the types of coverage that we do, and then getting that coverage to them wherever mm -hmm. they are. And often that's on social media and you know uh, online, so. Do you find that you're, and I'm gonna say you're relative youth, but yet with 15 years of experience here at the Caller Times, with experience at the Foghorn, and with your natural inquisitiveness being fed all the way from the time you first stepped foot into a book, do you find that your youth gives you an advantage as we are, are experiencing this change in the way that younger generations consume their news, that the fact that you are familiar with both the print platform, having grown up with your hands holding something physical as you read it, and the experience that reading a physical book gives you versus the experience that looking at something on your smartphone gives you. Do you find that being not a 60-year-old and not a 19-year-old gives you a good platform to kind of help move the paper as it goes through some of these transitions? I, I don't really think, um, and I appreciate the compliment, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really think of myself as like, I'm this young person and I'm gonna come in and you know we're gonna do these innovative things mm -hmm. and, and that's based up upon you know my age. I think that it goes to the, to the, to the core idea that I have that um, I love telling stories. I can, you know, look out at our newsroom and, and feel so lucky and blessed because I feel that everyone else there is on the same page mm -hmm. and we're moving toward the same direction. Once you, you think about that and that being your core goal, it is much easier to embrace change. It is much easier to say, okay, this one way we were doing things didn't work. Mm -hmm. So are we gonna keep doing it that way or are we gonna try something new, which is scary, sure. which doesn't always work out, but the alternative is what? I mean, right. just not evolving. Right. And, and then again, then are we serving our mission? Mm -hmm. No. So again, it is important to experiment and but also to ask those core questions and and to try and stay as true to those as possible do we do it every day and we're at a hundred percent and everything works out nicely right. and you know no the, well, but that is yeah that is an every day every day is that new opportunity to reach somebody that we didn't before mm -hmm. and and you know a little bit of like i think if you know somebody calls and and, and they're like, well, you know, thanks for, thanks for answering that for me. Like, I, I, I never knew that. Like, wow, I just kind of like assumed that it was this way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those assumptions are, are, are not always right. And, and it is a key part of our job. And we can't be ashamed of this to say, it's okay if, if you thought it was this. It's actually this. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to do a better job of explaining those things. So it's, 
I, I refer to them as like information gaps. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, well, you know, the caller times, uh, you know, th their print subscription is declining and, you know, what do they really do? What do they really do for me in my life? And, right. um, you know, uh, everything on Facebook should be free. And uh, like some of those common things, which is not just, you know, specific to the caller times, um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that's an opportunity for us not to turn away from that and, and just be like, oh, okay, I guess we'll just write them off to just say like, hey, let's have a conversation. Like, mm -hmm. here's, you know, here's why we have a subscription model. And, you know, it's, it's 99 cents for three months for a digital subscription right now. Like, right. you know, what is, what is having the most amount of watchdogs for your community uh, worth to you? Mm -hmm. Because really, in a lot of communities, particularly those of the size of Corpus Christi, there aren't, there aren't consistent folks watching the folks who are doing the stuff for the community, right? So if there weren't a caller times watching the local government, there are probably some folks with a lot of time on their hands that do quote unquote watch the local government, but they don't have a platform to share what's going on. And not to imply that our local government's doing things improperly, but it's important um, and this is why we have the First Amendment, right? It's important for the press to be able to report to the folks what's going on in the bodies that affect their daily lives. And that includes, of course, the more personal stories of personal events happening, which we can celebrate as a community, versus the watchdog role of the newspaper. Do you find um, that there is a significant difference in managing the editorial process for the digital side of the newspaper versus the print side of the newspaper? I would say that the biggest thing, and this also goes, you know, back to misconception, is like people may not realize the amount um, that that we are there, you know, checking agendas mm -hmm. for governmental entities, sitting in, uh, you know, council meetings, commissioner meetings, just various other boards that people mm -hmm. might not even know really what they do, but they uh, affect, you know, what you pay, how your schools are, how right. your children are educated. Uh, what rights and liberties you um, are afforded and and so those are important things holding government accountable mm -hmm. and and also as you said not to say that there's anything nefarious but uh, the the best democracies are the ones that that are transparent and and that have that accountability mm -hmm. so yes that is a, a core part of our mission sure and it is also uh, a, a lot of stuff that you know doesn't really get seen mm -hmm. by the average person but again, that is on us to, to not turn away from folks that are like, well, you guys just, I don't really care. I'm just gonna go read this for free somewhere else. Well, sure, if you can find it somewhere else. Right, I mean, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But there is you know, a core part of what we do that you really can't find anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, aggregation and, um, and a lot of the stuff that people may not realize, that's, that's originating content from the Caller Times and from other newsrooms just like us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our, our role must also include, again, being really digitally focused and because that's what our audience is, is saying that they want. Mm -hmm. They wanna be served uh, on those platforms and, and we're gonna continue to give that to them We've seen our digital subscribers grow, and that is no happy accident. Right. What What does it mean to you to be digitally focused as a newspaper? 
it means, again, going to those core questions of, we only have so many resources and hours in a day. Mm -hmm. uh, what is going to be the highest impact um, that's going to help further our mission today? And then everything from that is, okay, when do people need this? Mm -hmm. So timeliness, you know, getting up what we call a web update. So giving people, here's what we know about this topic now, mm -hmm. you know, and just putting a line at the end of the story that just says like, this is developing, check back. So, so we get in the game and, and we're, and, and by we, I mean us as a community, like mm -hmm. we're telling you like, hey, we just found this out, like more to come. Right. Like we're gonna look into mm -hmm. it for y'all. Uh, and, and then fulfilling that promise and, and executing it all the way through so that at the end of you know the next day actually our print our print only subscribers folks that maybe don't ever go online and i would encourage them to mm -hmm. are are seeing you know th maybe the end result but again a digital push includes thinking about the audience in a way that in prior eras we just you know we we didn't didn't have to Right. right, and and then also keeping in mind that uh, things that are online may only ever live online. Mm -hmm. The, you know, breaking news scenarios where we're getting out uh, mobile push notifications to people about the Harbor Bridge being closed mm -hmm. right before people's evening commute home. Sure. Those are critical things mm -hmm. that people need to know in the moment. They're not going to wait till the paper comes out the right, next day. Right, exactly. But it, doesn't, it doesn't do them any good to get it the next day, right? Right, so reader habits, how people mm -hmm. consume news, those are things that we're very conscious of and have strategies around uh, that are you know, giving us true results. And I mean results in the sense that, again, it goes to the core mission mm -hmm. of we we want to do work that is relevant, that is meaningful, that is impactful, that makes a difference. So uh, making our newsroom uh, have strategies around that is what we do. And What role do you see multimedia news reporting having from um, the exciting, which I love, the new drone news team here uh, with Chris and Courtney? and then those that are doing video journalism here and those that are doing um, maybe even some more like live blogging of or live tweeting of various meetings or events that are going on versus the more traditional, here's my 500 words, let's get it up in a medium that people want to read it in versus the way that a lot of folks like you mentioned earlier consume via video or other short blurbs and, and messages. Do you see that portion of the Caller Times growing? And then a follow-up question to that, does that require a different, um, a different kind of reporter, a different kind of journalist than the regular folks that are writing the 500-word articles? Yes, uh, short answer, yes. Okay. Uh, longer, more in-depth answer is that uh, everybody in our newsroom is capable and does uh, report mm -hmm. using words using video, using social media platforms, uh, and, and that is intentional mm -hmm. and necessary. And again, it goes down to who are we serving and what are they asking of us that they need, uh, and, and then how do we deliver that? So uh, everyone in the newsroom, and while some people, again, have some strengths with words, mm -hmm and others with visuals. 
Uh, everybody has to know how to do all of those things. And uh, that just goes down to the size that we are, but it also goes down to the fact that you have to be able to be a storyteller mm -hmm. in many forms. How does that affect your role then as the editor of the paper, editing the different kinds of mediums? It makes it fun, I'll okay. say that. <laughs> uh, and in our newsroom, we have a big whiteboard, and that is like our story idea board. Like mm -hmm. whenever we're doing something that may be a little bit more long term, or we just need to talk it out and brainstorm it out, you know, we go to that whiteboard okay. and we come together around the table, and we we just say, okay, what are the questions that people are asking? Okay, how are we going to answer those? Mm -hmm. Okay, like you know, if it's if it's storyboarding a video, if it's uh, trying to do an outline for a story and also thinking about again people don't have a lot of time they might be better served about uh, why their water bill is high with an explainer in a mm -hmm. Q&A format mm -hmm. uh, thank you by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so you know again those are different than how we did it before mm -hmm. does that does that you know mean anything other than that again we're going toward the mission of how best do we serve uh, our community mm -hmm. and and being receptive and listening to that and then going ahead and making the scary thing sometimes which is changing and evolving how do you know how do you know when you are serving the community how do you get the community feedback oh lots of ways um, I think that whenever we do you know sometimes uh, do something that someone doesn't like. I mean, we hear about it, even if we don't do something, and <laughs> either way, but. Uh, <laughs> Lots of criticism, I imagine, or yeah. constructive feedback, uh, we'll which, call it that. Yeah, which, you know, again, like, you, you know, you gotta, you've, you've gotta listen to it all, and, and, um, and, and so, you know, through social media, through calls, through, mm -hmm. you know, in-person conversations, we're out there in the community, and, and so, again, it should not be I think for any, uh, you know, journalist or a newsroom, uh, a one-sided conversation. And mm -hmm. our community is a special place, and all of South Texas uh, is unique in all of the complexities of what we have, the people and uh, the cities and the towns. And um, we want to make sure that we're best serving it, and that comes with it being uh, a two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you do you have in mind new methods for presenting the news that the Caller Times is kind of working on that might be, I'll call it groundbreaking for our newspaper here? Sure. Um, well, we are currently undergoing a newsroom remodel, mm -hmm. so we're um, very excited about that. And part of that is just, again, focusing on some of the digital tools and the digital offerings that we have. We have a, a studio set and we've already done for folks that follow us on uh, our Caller Times Facebook or Instagram uh, or Twitter. Uh, you may have already seen some of that in action mm -hmm. with our studio set and doing live broadcasts. Some of those have been around things like, you know, we had a local cookbook author and local, um, you know, chef come in and do like a demo uh, of like food and mm -hmm. like a cocktail recipe. Another time we had a Harlem Globetrotter come in and do some tricks oh, and wow. teach us mm -hmm. um, how to <laughs> how to do you know the spin ball and uh -huh. all of that really funny stuff. 
And then, you know, we also used it during uh, the election season last year as a way to provide an unedited chance for people to see two top uh, candidates mm -hmm. for a really important race last year, which was the, the Nueces County judge race. Mm -hmm. And, and just you know ask them questions that people wanted to know. We got comments from people in real time and just showing, hey, here's your candidates. And then also explaining again, here's, here's why this race matters. Um, here's what this role does. Here's how it does affect your daily mm -hmm. life. And, and then again, letting people make their choices from there, but keeping in mind that we want to empower people with information. So let's talk a little bit about Marianne, the person outside of the Caller Times. Um, you are married and you mentioned you have two kids. What are some of the things that you and your family love doing in our community? Oh, oh. gosh. Uh, so we actually live, um, we actually live across the bridge now and, and it was tough initially for me to, to, to make the move because mm -hmm. I am just like such a Corpus Christi person at <laughs> heart. Um, but uh, after I got married to my husband, Scott, we moved across the, across the bridge about like, I would say 10 to 15 minutes away in Portland. And I would say it's like, it's like a 10 to 15 minute beautiful drive mm -hmm. with water on both sides, yeah. highway miles mm -hmm. from um, my driveway to the Caller Times. Um, but we live in Portland and we live near a park and so just getting outdoors and and coming into Corpus and enjoying you know the Bayfront and Cole Park and um, all of the the wonderful things here we live in such a beautiful place mm -hmm. and I'm always surprised uh, when people say that there's nothing to do here um, or <laughs> Amen to that. Me too. <laughs> uh, mostly because I want to say like there is so much to right, do right. Uh, and, and also just because uh, there are so many you know new businesses that are coming mm -hmm. and uh, all the time and uh, and there's just a lot of people in uh, I would say South Texas that are working hard to make it better and to find solutions because Another part of what is really important to us as journalists here at the Caller Times is to not just point out when there are problems, mm -hmm. to also be part of solutions. Right. And, and we have tried to do that and are going to continue to do that with our journalism. And we did that with our uh, over a year long series called Behind Broken Doors, mm -hmm. which was partially funded through a grant from Solutions Journalism which is an organization that helps uh, journalists, uh, again, not just report on problems, mm -hmm. but to show potential solutions. And you know that series that looked at our deadly trend in Corpus Christi of domestic violence, uh, that was our decision to say, we can't cover it all, but this needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And what would happen if we didn't? What would happen if we did and right. just tried to get the conversation to move forward so that was one of the things that we have mm -hmm. done um, and then also our other solution journalism based series called democracy at risk that again was addressing that elephant in the room which is we live in such a great country and have so many freedoms including uh, the privilege of being able to vote for our leaders mm -hmm. who governs us uh, and if they don't go do a good job, we have the ability to vote them out right, exactly. or at least to have a say in that. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, why do we have such low voter turnout? And so that really examined voter behaviors, mm -hmm. not just here in Nueces County and South Texas, but statewide. And it looked at potential solutions to mm -hmm. improving voter registration efforts, um, you know, nonpartisan, and, and, and helping to just encourage more people to, to use what so many people take for granted. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the business of the Caller Times itself. Before we started recording, you had mentioned to me that the Caller Times prints for other businesses as well. Is that an area that is a focus for the Caller Times, or is it kind of the, does it happen by happenstance simply because y'all have the largest printing press around and people want to come over and and take advantage of it? How does that work? It is a very big printing press. Um, I will say that. So we don't just print the Caller Times. Mm -hmm. We have you know, our business model is is not just um, all one thing. Okay. Uh, and so we talked a little bit about our newsroom's efforts to, from the news side, um, continue to strive to be relevant and meaningful in our coverage. And that includes growing our digital subscriptions, mm -hmm. which are now in the thousands. Um, but our printing press itself uh, doesn't just print us, it prints um, various local weeklies and uh, other area newspapers. It also prints USA Today for our region. And, and so those are things that are separate and apart from our mm -hmm. newsrooms day to day, but it is you know, very important. Our business model uh, is multifaceted. A component of that is obviously advertising, mm -hmm. both online and in print. A uh, component of that is also subscriptions. So again, who are we serving? Mm -hmm. Do they feel that we're relevant enough that they're willing to give us that ultimate uh, show of support, which is opening up their pocketbook mm -hmm. and, and, and supporting us with the subscription? What are you most excited about? What are you most looking forward to? I think just being able to have a space that we can interact with each other in a way again that just goes toward that mission like mm -hmm. it is it's a it's a fun it's a fun place to be in and anyone who's ever had the chance to you know to be in a newsroom um, it's 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 a lot of work like number one but also just fun I mm -hmm. mean what we get to do every day is a privilege and and I don't take it for granted and I'm sure that um, others in the newsroom would say the same like uh, it, it's fun, you know, we have the scanner on and we're listening to that and it's mm -hmm. loud and we're having conversations and um, talking about ideas and stories and videos and um, things that are going on in the community that we want to, to tell people about. So having uh, a newsroom that, uh, you know, ref reflects that and mm -hmm. also shows our commitment to growing our audience online and having, you know, the nice place for our studio set so we can have people come in mm -hmm. uh, for that is, is really cool. And then also inviting, you know, eventually the community in to be able to have forums and just see who we are and meet us and get mm -hmm. to know us is exciting. Absolutely true. Well, Marianne, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a fascinating behind the scenes look at the Caller Times and, and a look at your exciting rise to the management role here that you have as editor. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Marianne is a true community influencer. 
She has experienced nearly every facet of the caller times and is the right mix of youth, experience, and willingness to learn to lead this great paper into the multimedia world that it must engage to continue its service to our community. Please take a moment to visit caller.com to register for a digital subscription. You can follow Marianne on Twitter at CallerMarianne. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at EchoCorpus. Thank you to our infrastructure partners, the Sound Guys, Clint Tucker Homes, and Sawyer Audiology. And thank you for taking time to listen.